Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Waiting is hard. I think if we were all honest with ourselves and with, and with others, we'd all have to admit that we, we hate to wait. I mean, how many times have you said something to the effect of, why, why is this taking so long? Or, I can't believe we have to wait this long. And the reason for statements like that is because for many of us, whenever we think about waiting, we think about wasting time. And we equate wait with, with waste. But when it comes to the things of God, that's not at all the case. In fact, God works while we wait. And even when we can't see what God is doing or how he's moving, God is always orchestrating the things of heaven and of earth to accomplish his purposes for our life and for his glory. And regardless of what you can see or can't see, we can rest assured that God's plans for our lives will never be deterred. And the waiting that we experience is very often where God does the work that so desperately needs to be done in our lives. And during this time, as we recognize this season of Advent, we also need to take time to recognize what Advent is really all about. You see, Advent is a word that's symbolic of a time of expectant waiting and preparation. Preparation for what God wants to do in you so that he can ultimately work through you. Preparation in the waiting. That's what Advent is represents. And last week, as we, we lit the first candle of Advent, the prophecy candle, we remembered those who first spoke of the promise of the coming Christ child and the hope that he would bring into this world. But along with hope, Advent is also about faith. It's actually hope that gives way and makes room for faith. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 1, the writer says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. You see, faith is what carries our hope to its destination. Faith gives our hope something sturdy and secure to cling to. And as you continue on in that same verse, it says that faith is the evidence of things not seen. Notice it's not faith is the evidence of things that we can already see. Things that we already know. It's the evidence of things that we cannot yet see. Things that we do not yet know. Faith is what supports our hope that God will fulfill his purposes and his promises for our lives, even when the way forward seems to be impossible. And as you continue on in that same chapter of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 6, it says that without faith, It's impossible to please God. And if it's impossible to please God without faith, that must mean that with faith, the things that are impossible are all of a sudden made possible. And as today we we light this second candle of Advent, the Bethlehem candle, we reflect on the faith that Mary and Joseph had 
and clung to on their journey to Bethlehem. Faith not in what they could see, not in what they knew would take place, but instead faith in what they could not see. Faith that made possible what was thought to be impossible. Mary and Joseph, who were told by an angel that they would become the parents of the Messiah, the one who would come and deliver and rescue and restore God's people and establish God's kingdom on this earth. Can you imagine how difficult that was for them to process? Especially Mary as she was still a virgin. And then the realization that she could very likely go into labor and deliver this child along the journey or shortly after they arrived. And then whenever they did arrive into this small town of Bethlehem, there were no vacancies available for, for this young family and this expectant mother. And I'm sure that in that moment, it did not seem as though the purposes of God were going to be fulfilled. And maybe you can relate to that. Does that resonate with you in your circumstances, in your life? Perhaps you feel as though God is leading you, God is prompting you, God is calling you to take a step of faith in some area of your life. Apply for the promotion at work. Change careers altogether. Maybe, maybe start your own business. Or maybe it's walk away from the relationship that you know is unhealthy and does not honor God. Or maybe God is leading you, prompting you to start using your gifts and your abilities and your talents to join a team and begin serving in ministry here at Journey. Whatever it is. God's given you a vision. God's placed a dream inside of your heart. And with everything inside of you, and with everything that you have, you desperately want to pursue and chase down that dream. But every time you begin to just take it one step, roadblocks and detours, complications, less than ideal circumstances always seem to get in the way. Or maybe doubt creeps in. And anxiety rises up inside of you. Or maybe insecurities about who you are and your ability to do what God's calling you to do paralyzes you from being able to move forward. But just think about this. Had Mary not been stretched to believe in and have faith for what she could not see from the conception to the birth of the Messiah in that small dead-end town of Bethlehem, Throughout all the years of raising Jesus, she may not have had, to ha had the faith to endure the difficulty of losing him and him being taken away from her in death on the cross. Because I can certainly imagine that in that moment, the way forward seemed impossible. But Mary's journey of faith didn't end there. In fact, she was with Jesus' followers after the resurrection and as he ascended into heaven. And she continued with those followers on their journey of faith, knowing that she would one day see Jesus again in glory. And so for you and for me, today and every day, as we're faced with obstacles that seem to be at odds with what we feel like are God-ordained plans, I want to encourage you to pause. 
in those moments and ask yourself, are these just moments where I'm being stretched in my faith and in my faithfulness? And recognize in those moments that our responsibility is not the outcome. Our responsibility is obedience. Because with Mary and even with Jesus, the writer of Hebrews chapter 5 verse 8, it says that even though Jesus was the Son of God, He learned obedience through what He suffered, through what He endured. Because you see, this journey of faith that you and I are on, it's not only about arriving at a certain place or achieving certain goals. Faith is also about becoming a person of faithfulness who is stretched to believe in and have faith for and to see what God is doing and how He is moving in the impossible places in the dead-end spaces of this life, all while holding tightly to Jesus, the Messiah, along the way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this time, this Advent time, we remember Mary and Joseph giving thanks for their faithfulness, courage, and obedience, stepping out into the unknown and strength of your spirit, playing their part in the fulfillment of your plan to bring your prodigal people home again. And we pray that their example might be the pattern of our lives. And that when your gentle whisper breaks through the clamor of this world and into our small corner, we might be ready to listen. And having listened, act. Amen. I don't know about you, but words mean a lot to me. And I'm a listener of words, and I, I try to dissect the words. And I don't know if y'all noticed it, but there was a couple words that Will used over and over again. It was faith and purpose. And I've been thinking about this um, all morning long. Actually, it started in first service. You know, the Bible says, and you just heard him say this, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And we talk about purpose. Habakkuk says this, without a vision, people perish. And so that means the opposite's true too. With a vision, people flourish. And so we're looking at this faith and purpose, and I'm almost seeing purpose as the training wheels to our faith. Like whenever we have faith in certain things, and maybe it's kind of you know, like slows down a little bit, or maybe it's stopped a little bit, it's, 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 the, it's the purpose of God that undergirds that. And other times when we have the purpose of God, it's the faith to believe that God's going to do something. I don't know how many people know this, but I'm a recovering youth pastor. We kind of joke about that, but if you've ever been in youth ministry, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But as a youth pastor, I was also in charge of the church that we were at. I was also in charge of children's ministry. And I'll say this, and I'll say this now, and we'll laugh about it. Like, I am the last person that you want to be the children's pastor of your children. I barely like my kids, let alone somebody else's kids. <laughs> y'all, y'all, right? Like, I, 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 sometimes we just tolerate it. Now, I love my kids, but like, I was not, but one of my responsibilities was I was supposed to do a camp for kids um, every year. And so there was a camp we were doing for kids. And sure enough, it was the first camp, I'm, and it poured down rain for like three solid days. And I don't know about you guys, but like little kids inside, driving you nuts, smelly. They already don't take showers. I mean, it's just, it's, it's bad news. And so they're bouncing off the walls, and we're trying to do all these activities. We're doing everything. Well, the sun started to peek out one day. And as the sun peaked, I said to one of the counselors, I said, this is what we're going to do. We're all going to take the kids 
We're going to take the kids down to the, down to the beach, and we're going to let them go swimming. And we're going we're gonna to give them life jackets, and there's going to be life, life, what do they call them, people? See, that's how bad I'm at. What, life, lifeguards. There's going to be lifeguards on stands, and we're, we're going to make sure that they're taken care of. Well, there's a bunch of boys, and, and as any time, the boys were running down first, and guess what they found in the middle of the road before they got to the, they found a mud puddle. And they started playing in the mud puddle. And when I say playing, I don't mean they were like, they were playing in the mud puddle. Like they were making mud cake and they were throwing, like anybody ever, like, you know what I'm talking about? Like they were, they were and, and we made a rule, they have to be smaller than a golf ball, which we found out that they were, anyway, they still hurt. So they're doing mud fights and doing all this other stuff. Well, finally I'm sitting there, I'm kind of, I'm, I, there's this one kid. And, and, and I, I remember, like, I didn't know who he was. And one of the counselors was like, he's kind of weird. I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, he, he runs to the, he's in the puddle and he's gathering up the mud, but he's running off somewhere else. And then he'd come back and his hands would be all muddy. And he'd come back and he'd get in that mud and he'd run all the way back. And it was like, I, so I, I followed him. And, and I'm like, what, are you, what, like, what are you? his name was Aaron. I'm like, Aaron, what are you doing? And he, no, 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 Pastor Bobby, I'll, I'll be back in a minute. He runs back to the, the puddle and he, he gets some more money. And finally, I, I watch him. He takes his hand and he presses his hand in this, this mud pancake. And he presses out that, Aaron, what are you doing? He said, I'm making something for my mom and my dad for just to say thanks for sending me to camp. Like, this has been the best, best days of my life. I'm like, holy cow. And then it dawned on me. Listen to this. There's some people all their lives, those kids, they were playing, they were just playing in the mud. They, all they were, they're, they're just getting dirty. And there's another kid playing with that same mud with a purpose. He was sitting there. And isn't it kind of interesting that a lot of us go through our lives and we're just playing in the mud, getting dirty. And there's other people that you, you observe them and you go, what makes them different? They're playing in the mud, but they're, they're playing with it. They make the most out of their mess. And, and I thought about what Will was just saying. That's exactly what Mary did. Mary made the most out of her mess. That, that whole scene is a mess. She gets a, you know, a dream that she's gonna be a, a mother and you know, she's maybe 13 or 14 years old and how am I gonna tell Joseph? How am I gonna tell my parents? And then she goes on this journey. She's on the back of a donkey. She gets to the place where she's supposed to be. There's no place for them to stay. So they're sleeping in a feeding trough. Oh my God, it's a mess. But maybe she understood in that mess, there was a purpose. And there was, there was going to be something substantial. And, and, and as a matter of fact, I believe with everything that's in me, that's why Mary continued that journey because she knew, first of all, she knew that in her life, she had a purpose. I, I, you, like even to the point where, could you imagine the scene as it's going, Jesus is about 30 years old. We'll just talk about it. And, and he's up on the cross and Mary's sitting there watching, watching her son be crucified. I got to believe there's part of it because remember what it says that she pondered these things in her heart. And I don't think at that crucifixion day, I don't think she stopped pondering these things. I think she was recognizing and realizing that that was the Lamb of God who was going to take away the sins of the world. She knew she had a purpose. How about this? I think one of the reasons that God used her because the faith that she had in the purpose because she understood the cost. Anything good in life comes with a cost. I don't care what you're going to do, starting a business, getting married, having kids, it has a cost. And she was sitting there and the cost for her may have been her reputation. The cost to her, it may have been her relationship with Joy. The cost could have been the relationship with the people around her, but there was a cost. And then I think about the big thing. 
Mary, Mary had faith. She understood the purpose because at the, at the end of the day, she also understood the big picture. That she was just a part of the, of the process. She was only part of the purpose. That ultimately it was Jesus that was gonna recognize his ultimate purpose was to go to the cross. And he was gonna instill vision in Jesus. And I understand some of you are going, well, he was 100% God. Yeah, but you forget he was 100% man too. And there was doubts, do you remember? If this cup can pass from me, let it pass from me. All through his life, even at the time of temptation, he was struggling. But I think, I think he and I think she, those moments when he was being rocked at night and she was instilling purpose in him. You're the savior of the world. You're the savior of the world. You're gonna change the world. You're the one that's been talked about for thousands of years. All the prophecy that we talked about last week is gonna be fulfilled in you. I believe when Jesus went to the cross, when he died on the cross, without a shadow of a doubt, he cleaned every one of our sins, every sin that we ever had. And it was the resurrection of Jesus that demonstrates the power and the purpose that he has for us. I love it. Jesus recognizes his purpose. Early on in his ministry, it's in Luke chapter 19, 10, it says, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. He understood his purpose. His purpose on this side of eternity was to make sure that people like us understood that we can connect with a heavenly father through the son, Jesus Christ. Purpose. Jesus understood his purpose and he actually lays it out. It's one of his first preaching engagements. He's at the church and he, 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 he's watching and he's participating in worship and the band is awesome that day. They're amazing singing songs about him. Is that pretty cool? And, and, and Jesus gets up to the podium and he starts to lay out a, a, an intricate plan of what the Son of Man is going to be like. He starts quoting Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 61, and he goes through all these things. And then he says this, just gathered, like he obviously goes, all these things that I've just said have been fulfilled and they've been fulfilled in the purpose of me. One of the first things I realize that Jesus and Mary, and if we're going to understand the purpose that God has for us, the very first thing we have to do is you have to understand and identify your mission. What is your mission? Everyone in this room, we have a mission in life. We have a, something that God's designed us. In Isaiah 61, verse one, it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's Jesus saying that about himself. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Now that's about Jesus, but I believe it's about us too. I believe that same anointing has been put on us to change this world. We're carrying on and doing the greater works of God. Acts chapter one, verse one, Luke writes this, and it's amazing. And he says, in the first book of Theophilus, the first book is the book of Luke. He says, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and he, teach, and he taught. Do y'all catch those words that he began to do? He doesn't say he completed the process. Now, some of you go, well, I thought he said, you know, it is finished. Yes, it is finished. He yelled out, Aloy, Aloy, Ramasabachnia, which means my, my dad, my dad, why have you forsaken me? And then at the last hour, he says, it is finished. What he was saying was his job on this side of eternity was done, but he left the greater works for us to do. Hey, hey, listen to this. The Bible literally says this, and I love that, begin to do. In John 14, 12, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. That's the first part. And greater works than these will be done. Where are, man, I'm so sorry. And I apologize that your pastor is like this. I'm as cynical as they come. And my question every time I read that passage is, where are they now? If we're called to do greater works, why are we not doing them? He 
rose people from the dead. People came out of graves. People that had leprosy. People that couldn't walk. People that couldn't see. People that had short, whatever it was, he healed. Why is that not happening today? I don't think we slow down enough to understand what's happening in the spirit realm. That's a huge problem. So it's been said that when I take my glasses off, the message is about to end. It's not. My eyes are fogging up up here, okay? But it happened to me, and I'm embarrassed to even say it happened. So Bill Howard, a friend of mine, a couple weeks ago speaks um, and talks about divine appointments. Now, all through my life, I have prayed for divine appointments. But lately, it's been like, I've been doing all I can just to keep my head above water. You understand what I'm talking about? Making sure the church is, you know, we're, we're healthy and safe and we're still doing, make sure our staff is healthy, all that kind of stuff. So me thinking about divine appointments, like I have divine appointments every day in my office, making sure that we're all good, right? So I, I, I decided to pray a prayer. Now I'm gonna encourage you, there's a couple prayers that you don't wanna pray. Don't pray for pa- patience, right coach? Don't pray for patience, right? So like really don't pray for patience. You will have everything that happens in life that it'll make you get paid or you'll leave. The other one is praying for God to open up doors. I prayed, God, open my eyes up to see the spiritual realm. And so I'm sitting there. Um, so apparently, um, the day before Thanksgiving, um, anybody know what a sawzall is? Big long blade? Apparently, I had one in my tire. The whole blade. This long. And so my tire goes flat. I'm getting ready to go pick, me and my dad are gonna go hunting and my, it's Thanksgiving morning and my tire's flat and I fill it up with air and get done hunting. And I, I have tire gauge, you know, it's like 12 and everything else is 39. And so the next morning I get up early, I, I, tires plus open, it isn't tire plus issue. Um, they open up at like six o'clock. So I'm gonna get there semi early cause I'm gonna be one of the first ones, right? I get there and the guy says, you have about a three and a half hour wait. Oh, no. So we're sitting there. I'm sitting there. I, I, I don't dare call my wife at 6.30. Like, y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, hey, babe, um, messed up. Can you come pick me up? Like, wasn't even going to do it. So I just texted her about like 8 o'clock. It, I'm going to be a while. But there was this guy sitting across an elderly black gentleman. I'm sure he was a great guy. He, he's, he's sitting there, and, he, and he's whistling. I can't whistle. He was a really, like, he was expert. Like, he was, like, major league whistler. Like, like he made it, he, he had tone and, like, and, 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 and broadcast all across tires plus. And it was driving me nuts. Right? Okay, it was, I mean, absolutely driving me. And so I texted my wife and I said, I'm going to have to have a, a talk with this guy. And she's like, because <laughs> she is the voice of reason, right? She's like, Listen to some music. I, I don't have any music. I don't have my earbuds. Like if I had my earbuds, I'd turn it loud. I want to hear. So I'm, I'm trying to study. It was for the message last week. So I'm trying to study and I'm, I got my iPad there and I'm going, well, the guy gets up and, and here, so I'm, I'm not always, my mercy meter is low. You hear me? Like I, I err on the side of get right Jesus in Jesus name kind of deal, right? So he, so I'm thinking, then I think, and this is how I'm not trying to slap me, but I said, oh, maybe he's deaf. Maybe that's the only way he can communicate, right? Right? So he starts talking to the guy, Tires Plus, and the guy goes, he goes, how much longer? He goes, oh, two and a half hours. I'm like, oh, no. No, 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 no. So he comes and sits back down, and I said, well, 
maybe the best way to stop him from whistling is to have a conversation with him. Maybe I'll be nice to him. So I said, hey, what do you do? And he goes, um, I, I, sell, I, sell, I sell vegetables. Do you want to buy some collards? Actually, what he said was, do you want to buy some greens? And see, I know just enough about being in the South. I've been here long enough that I know there's different types of greens. So now I am sparking a conversation. Do you have mustard greens? Do you have collard greens? Right? Do you have turnip greens? What kind of greens do you have? He goes, I got them all. You want to buy some? So I said, uh, he goes, I said, what's your name? He goes, Pastor Bobby, my name is. So I don't know if you know who he is, but he purchased out in Walmart or in front of Goolsby's and he sells watermelon. And he knows us. Every time we go there, we buy watermelon and greens and whatever from him. And you know what I realized? So many times in our lives, we get so wrapped up in the busyness and our agendas that we don't slow down enough to see what God's doing. And so I took him across the IHOP and we shared bread and talked. He had pancakes. I can't have pancakes. I had coffee. And then we came back and I walked up to the counter. And I said, hey man, how much is his bill? And he told me what his bill was. And I said, here, I got, can I pay for it? I felt so convicted. That's why greater works aren't happening in the world we live in. Because we're not slowing down long enough to see the God moments in our lives. That God has appointed people to be in our path. He has calendar dates there that says Bobby's going to intersect with this person. See, we have a mission. Jesus says, I was put here, I was anointed to preach the good news, and guess what? You were anointed to preach the good news. You were put on this earth because people need to hear the dangerous message of Jesus Christ. You are not merely taking up space. Somebody say amen to that. One of the greatest, most profound books I've ever read is a book by Rick Warren. Came out about 18 years ago. It's called The Purpose Driven Life. I was sitting on the beach in Hilton Head reading the book in that 2000 year. It was July of 2003. And, 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 and one of the first things it says is a tension that all of us have. It says this, what on earth am I here for? What am, what am, what, what, why was I put on this planet? Is there a bigger purpose? And I can hear some of you. I can see it in your eyes. Pastor Bobby, you don't know. All I am, all I am is, and you can put, insert whatever you want. All I am is a clerk at, at Paul. All I am is a greeter. All I am is this. We got to stop saying all I am. You're not just a anything. You're a kid of the king of the, of the whole entire world. You are, you are fearfully and wonderfully made in his image. God has a great plan for us. We just, just somehow or another, and I, 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 listen, and there's no, like, Pastor Bobby, what am I supposed to do? There's no single one answer that answers all of it. But you know something? God will use each of us in the appointed space, the allotted amount of time that he's given us. I love the way Moses said this. Teach us to number, Psalms 112, teach us to number our days are right that we will gain the heart of wisdom, that we will know why we were put. My big prayer today, I got one prayer today, that every person in this room, every person watching online, everybody in the atrium, everyone down at Sherwood would figure out what the appointed task that God has for you. Acts 13, 36, it's about David. It says when he accomplished his task in this generation, then he fell asleep. Meaning when he was done with his task, he died. I don't want to get to the, the place at the end of my life, where I have missed my mission, where, where, where I haven't allowed God to use me the way he wants to use me. 
That's the first thing, the mission. The second thing is, we need to learn to proclaim the message. We each have a mission, but we also all have a message. Verse one says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. That was, his, that, was the, that was the message, to preach good news. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and opening of the prison to those who are bound. Can I say something? Can I get everybody to say, can everybody be present with me for one minute? I want you to hear this from me. The good news is still good news. The story of Christmas is still good news. The story of Easter, even with a death and burial, there's a resurrection. That's good news. We forget that. Guys, we live in a world that brings so much bad news. I mean, I was sharing with our team this past week. This week has been extremely difficult in our community. We, we've had some things that happen that normal communities may have one time every five or six years. We've had four in one week. Uh, Thursday morning, I sat, I sat and talked to two dads that are having to bury their teenagers, teenage, teenage kids. But I want you to know, we still have a good news message. Anybody ever been to the doctor? Austin. Will, you been to the doctor? Let, let's pretend you're, you're, you go to the doctor. And Dr. Dr., Dr. Bobby, you ask me what's wrong with you. And I tell you it's athlete's feet. Okay. Let's just say it's athlete's feet. Okay? Well, just, just me, athlete's feet. See you later. And I send you away. Have I done any good? No, I've identified the problem, but I didn't give him the solution. And you know, for years and years and years, that's the problem in the church. We identify the problem, but we don't give the solution. We talk about sin and how sin's going to kill you and sin's going to do this. And we forget to tell the message of Jesus Christ that comes the way we've destroyed our lives. He puts it back together. See, see, you being a sinner, me being a sinner is only the intro. It's not the rest of the story. And somehow or another, we have stopped at that point right there. And we forgot that there's a good story. The message of the gospel, the message of this church, the message that we have for our friends is that Jesus Christ is still in the business of putting lives back together. Amen? Amen. Regardless. So if you walk out here, there's all kinds of signs. There's three or four different places. It's in all our publications. It talks about we love our neighbors and we welcome them home. See, our, our message to this world is not that they're, they're useless or that they're far from God. That, that, that's only the intro. The, the message is that you may be far from God right now, but because of Jesus Christ, you can be close to him tomorrow. You can be close to him right this second. See, the gospel tells us as human beings, and, and I've said this before, and, and hear me on this, and I'll challenge you to do this today. When you walk out of this place, maybe, you're scared, maybe you won't pray for a divine, appoint, a, a divine appointment, but could, could you pray this? that God would break your heart because you're gonna look in the eyes of people today, some of them you don't agree with, some of them on your different side of the aisle, some of them, you, you philosophically, but you'll never stare in the eyes of somebody that Jesus Christ didn't die for. I don't, care, I don't care where they're at on the aisle, I don't care what they believe philosophically, what their religion, I don't care. You'll never look in the eyes of two people or a person that, that Jesus Christ didn't die for. See, our message is not that people's lives are falling apart, our message is, that Jesus Christ can bring it all back together. Yes. That's our message. <clears throat> Not a day goes by, to be honest with you, that we don't see the evidence of a fallen, broken world. 
like even this past week, you know, the unleashing of, I think, Sunday, the new variants. I'm like, I'm barely getting through the old variants, and now there's a new one coming. And then, they, what are they calling it, chromaton? But I, I thought that was a, a transformer. Like, let's call them, like, virus or something. Like, and so I'm thinking, man, they're talking about it. Not, not a single day goes by. So what's the solution then? Well, we can complain about everything. That's what a lot of people do, right? But honestly, is that going to get us anywhere? Or, you know, we cry out for the solution. Well, the government starts, the government. They can't run themselves. How are they going to run our lives? You know what the solution is? Jesus. That's it. That's it. I can stand up here for another 30 minutes and tell you all kinds of philosophy. But the one thing I've learned is this, is Jesus is the answer to everything. Period. Let me give you the third thing. So you have your mission, the message, and then you got to do your ministry. There's a job that God has you to do. He has sent, this is what he said, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberties to the captive, and, and the opening of the prison that are, who, that, are, that, are, that are bound. Verse two, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all the mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty, beautiful headdresses instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up from former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities and the devastations of many generations. You catch that? He has called us to do something. We have a message to proclaim, but a mission is more than just mere words. It's an action. God doesn't want us to stay in these little holy, holy huddles at church and just all, like, all those are important, but if we just do this and nothing else, we have missed the mark. First John 3, 17 says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? How, how, how do you justify that? You see a need. One of the most powerful stories in the Bible, and I'll, I'll do this real quick. We're, we're about to close in a second. But it's the story, and maybe some of you heard, the Good Samaritan. And, 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 and Jesus is telling a story about a religious man, a Jewish, a Jewish leader that walks by and sees this man tragically beaten up and he walks on the other side of the road and around him. And then there's all of a sudden a religious person, another religious person that walks and he walks completely. And then there's a Samaritan. Somebody has nothing to do, should by society's standards have nothing to do with them. He stops everything he's doing, throws him across his cult. He takes him. He bandages him up. He takes care of him. He puts him in a hotel. And I always thought that that was, a, that was a story about like, you know, being too, you know what it's a story of? Do something. Do something. You know me well enough. You've been around here. I, I, don't, I don't like Christian cliches. I, I don't like preachers that throw out Christian cliches. That's just not who I am. It's one of those deals where just give me a solid truth. You don't have to make, make it sound like appealing to my ears. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a grown man. I can handle, I can handle truth, Right? but I'm going to give you a cliche. <laughs> it comes down to this. It's a formula that works. Find a need and fill a need. Find a need and fill a need. And I've been thinking about that all week long as I've been writing. And there's all kinds of things around here. I love our ministries at Journey. Like I'm, I'm proud of what we do around this place. Our, 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 our children's ministry, I don't know if you guys were a part of this. They did these pizza boxes. If you have kids, I'm hoping you got one. It was Advent box. So when it was Advent, it was like, 
it, it elevated it. I mean, it's Megan and her team are like rock star status right now in our church. Like I, I get probably I, I, four or five people pulled me aside today and said like, that was the greatest idea ever. I said, thanks. I came up with it in the middle of the night. And, and I said, I just, I, I commissioned it. No, I did not. It's our idea. And, and student ministry. I mean, how many, how many student, student ministry people in this room? Just three of us. That's awesome, right? <laughs> Jen, you didn't even clap. <laughs> our student our student ministry is amazing. What they do. But, but some of the biggest, most impactful things that we've done around Journey have nothing to do with masses. It's just people that saw a need and decided they needed to do something about it. That's it. Several years ago, person in our church, Michael Key, came to me and just said, we have a lot of people here that are in AA and NA and whatever the other A's are. And he just said, wouldn't it be cool if Journey, being we have so many people that are struggling with things, have hurts and habits and hangups. What if we did something here on this campus? If you don't know what, it, what goes on on Monday nights, we have a group of people, it's called Celebrate Recovery, CR. It is for people that have hurts and habits and hangups. And every week, it's not thousands, it's 30 or 40, 50. But people have given their life for that. And you know what? It was one person that saw a need and decided to do something about it. A couple years ago, Tina Sodner, we're at Stafford Tree and we're sharing vision. And she goes, I just hope someday that we have something at Journey to help people grieving that have lost loved ones. And I said, Satina, that's a great idea. If you don't know Tina's story, years ago she lost her brother and this past year she lost her mom. But she said, we just need somebody to do it. I said, no, we don't. You're gonna do it. And she said, no, I'm not. And I said, yes, you are. About three weeks ago, four weeks ago, we had an event here, it was amazing. Uh, through Grief Share, uh, which is called Surviving the Holidays. And I think we had, I think she told me we had 4,000 people. I think she lied to me. I think it was like more like 100. But there was a bunch of people in here. And I thought about it. You know why that happened? Because one person saw a need and decided to fill it. And I'd encourage you, find a need. Fill it. Do something. Whatever it looks like. There's a gazillion things. Will talked about it earlier. He's going to talk about it again. But when he was talking, he was like, maybe it's time for you to step out and do something. But let me encourage you. It's time for you to step out and do something. We have a great responsibility on this side of eternity to change this world. Our message isn't to sit here and sing songs all day long. Our message is to sing songs, get charged up, and go out there and do something in the world that he wants us to do. He said, go and make disciples. He didn't say stay and build them in here. And so in our lives, he is calling us to go. He's calling us to go. Today, the presents are all out there. And I was, I'm, I'm blown away. I'm, I'm watching people carry all these presents. The people that would never, ever, ever, ever be able to afford what they're about to get. Justin Gray, our mission pastor, uh, our past mission pastor used to say it all the time. Let's just make Jesus famous. That's what we're trying to accomplish here. We're not trying to make Journeys J bigger and stand out in neon. It's not about my church. It's not about me. It's not about Will. It's not about, it's about Jesus. 
The Bible says when we lift his name up, then people will be drawn, not my name. So in the world we live in, God is challenging us as a faith community to bring people, to share the love of Jesus, the mission. What is your mission? What is your message? It's good news. It's not bad news. And your ministry, who has God called you to? Between services, a young man walked up to me and said, Pastor Bobby, all I do is, and I said, how many people do you come in contact with? And he said, a day? And I said, yeah, a day. He goes, I don't know, two, three hundred. There's your mission field. There's two or three hundred people that walk past you. That's more people than I deal with in a day. I'm going to challenge you today to pray a couple dangerous prayers. The first one's going to be this. God, what's my mission? What, I'm, what, what was I put on this earth for? What, what, who do you have in my path that needs to hear that dangerous message? And then the next one is, are you going to do something about it? Let's pray together. God, in this moment, I'm deeply convicted. At the same time, I'm extremely excited. I'm excited because you have decided on this side of eternity to use people like us. But I'm convicted because I don't think, I don't think we're doing enough. And God, it's, and we understand, it's not about serving people so we can leverage them into doing what we want them to do. God, you've called us to the mission field because we're called to follow your example. We're called to be like you. We're called to serve the world we live in. Even when Luke wrote it in Acts, he said about you, he said that you went around doing good. How, how cool would it be if that's what they said about us? That that church goes around and they're doing good stuff. They're doing good stuff in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would convict us today that this season, this Christmas season, that we would be reminded of the purpose and the faith that it took for Mary to fulfill the purpose of her life and in turn, fulfill the purpose of Jesus's life in this world. And God, I pray we would, we would be like that. And God, I know there's people in this room that are probably saying, I don't even know what my purpose is. I don't even know who Jesus is. And I can only say this speaking for myself. I did not find my true purpose until I found Jesus. And it was when and through him that I found my purpose. And so I would encourage you today, take that next step. If you don't know who Jesus is, talk to somebody, a staff person, somebody with a red shirt, go over to the, the area, the next steps area and talk to somebody about that next step. God, I'm thankful. Thankful that you sent your son to die on the cross for us, that we can have these conversations. Thank, thankful that you fulfilled your purpose so I can fulfill my purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or would like to talk with someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.